The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Real Estate Milestones. Today, we have Zach Booth, who's the host of the Driving for Dollars Mastery podcast, which we're going to learn a lot about today. Driving for Dollars is a pretty cool strategy for getting started in real estate and um, finding massively discounted properties and making some or getting started in the industry. So um, Zach also started as a window cleaner and evolved his entrepreneurship journey to real estate investing, which is pretty exciting. So we're going to learn all about that as well. Zach, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. Sweet. Well, to get started, could you tell us a little bit about your journey um, in, in, I guess, leading up to your first milestone in real estate? Yeah, kind of leading up to it. Um, so I grew up working. You know, my, my dad grew up pretty rough. Uh, you know, his dad is a gambler, alcoholic, and, uh, was the oldest sibling. Uh, he told me stories of having to, you know, ask his neighbors for bread to feed his younger siblings. So, I mean, really rough situation He's an amazing man, taught me a ton, fell very far from the tree, if you would, and, uh, became a very religious man and wanted his best for his sons, but he also taught us to work. And, uh, so it was kind of his way or the highway, very, you know, his stepdad was a Korean vet, saw battle. So like my dad was a tough guy, you know, kind of that baby boomer generation of very tough, the full mustache, you know, <laughs> uh, very tough guy. And he's turned into this big teddy bear. You know, he's, my wife's like, he's the sweetest guy. I was like, you don't know him like I do, you know. <laughs> but anyways, when I was younger, we worked. We had a lawn mowing business that we'd work after school and him after work. And so I started working at a very young age, like 11, I was mowing lawns. And then at 14, I was asking my dad, like, <clears throat> why are we broke? Like, why does nobody mow our lawn? Like, how much do these houses cost? These things are insane. You know, like I was just so confused as we're going in these rich neighborhoods and then going back to where I grew up. And I was like, we work so hard. Like, is it not hard work that makes us rich? Like, I was so confused. And he's like, oh, I don't know. So I was asking him all these questions. He's like, ask my rich friend. So his rich friend's Clint. I was like, Clint's not rich. He beats, he drives a beat up truck. He's like, no, he's just cheap, but he's rich. You know? <laughs> so I, uh, I asked Clint and Clint gave me a book, rich dad, poor dad, when I was 14 years old, very wow. good book. Most of y'all, if you like real estate, have heard of this book. And it was my first, uh, time in my life that I had read a self-improvement or a business book. And, you know, I was kind of intrigued and it opened my eyes to, in my, my mind to things that I had never even heard talked about in my family or in my family circle, you know? And so, you know, my entrepreneurial journey started there, even though I didn't do my first business till I was 17. Um, my dad cut me off financially at 16. And so out of need to, you know, he paid for my food and housing and 200 bucks a year for clothing. The rest was on me. So to be able to go on dates and play high school basketball like I wanted to and insurance to drive and gas and whatever else. And he wouldn't co-sign a loan for a truck. So I had to get the cash to buy a truck. 
Um, so I was trying to figure things out. And so I started a window cleaning business because six, seven bucks an hour just wasn't cutting it, you know, and I wanted a cell phone. I wanted to live a life and I, and I couldn't do that on six, seven bucks an hour, especially trying to live life as a teenager where I lived to my fullest. I think that's what we're all dreaming of even after high school, right? We want to have time freedom. We want to spend time with our family members. We want to, you know, spend have fun, go have adventures. We don't want to be stuck at a nine to five job that we absolutely hate with people that we hate with a boss that we hate. And we, you know, and so like it's 16, 17 years old, I was already in that place that many people are in, you know, once they graduate college and need to start supporting themselves. My dad gave me that gift of owning my own life at a very young age. And so that was kind of the big stepping stone in entrepreneurship and learning about real estate and really wanting to get towards that financial freedom. Sweet. That's a um, very interesting story. And uh, thanks for sharing. Um, so yeah, what was your first milestone in real estate? So um, I ended up serving a, a Christian mission down in Sao Paulo, Brazil uh, for a couple of years. And I came home from there. I had built that window cleaning business, put it on hold and then went to work really hard. And from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was always my intention to buy real estate, but I wanted to go have that experience first. And when I got home, um, <clears throat> went to work immediately and immediately tried to get a loan. The bank's like, well, you don't have any credit. You bought everything cash. I had to get credit cards and you know, I had to do, I can't remember what they called it, but I had to put like a certain amount of money and then they give me a line of credit on it, even though it was my money. So they, it was just like a fake loan so they could build my credit. So I had to do that for like six to eight months, got credit to buy my first duplex. Um, went and got a first time home buyer grant. So there was no money down. There was standing water in the basement. It was bad, bad, bad wow. shape. And, um, I had some money saved up that I was going to use for the remodel. So, uh, I quickly, while I was renting the, this basement apartment with, uh, my wife at the time, we were just barely married. And, uh, I, I went to work at nights after doing my day job with washing windows, I'd go at nights and do the remodel myself. And wow. I mean, I did everything, pretty much everything, you know, plumbing, they had froze in the winter. The, the water lines hadn't been winterized. So I had broken water lines and that's what caused a lot of the standing water. And there was all sorts of sheetrock damage and tearing out subfloors. You know, the yard was a mess. So it was a ton of work, a new roof, all sorts of things. And so I did that, you know, I worked my butt off work until one, two in the morning, but it was amazing because my monthly payment was only about 450 bucks a month, which was crazy, right? This was back in 2000 and, um, this was 2011 or 2010. I can't remember back when they, you know, they were unloading foreclosures after 08. And my one side of my duplex was renting for about 750. So I was getting paid wow. to live there. It was incredible. And I was like, dude, like, this is amazing. I need a hundred of these bad boys and I am set, you know? So like, let's go out and get the next one. But then that's when I hit the major roadblocks, right? It's like down payments and my debt to income ratio. I had all these issues with trying to start buying investment properties, not just like a primary residence where I could rent part of it, you know? So that was the first step. Yeah. So that's, that's um, very exciting. And I know um, something I'm interested in is the, the house hacking concept that you kind of mentioned about, um, you know, getting an FHA loan where it's only three and a half percent down, um, which is like, if you want a million dollar property, that would be $35,000. Right. So it's, um, you know, a lot less when it's an owner occupied property, it's a lot more affordable. They want to incentivize ownership. And if you have, 
you know, a duplex or a fourplex could also be an investment property, even if it's owner occupied, which is pretty cool. But, um, well, and the cool yeah, part so- too, is if it's your first one, a lot of times there's first time home buyer grants available in your local area, just ask your mortgage broker. And that's what I did. So I didn't put anything down. I had to pay for the remodel, but I had $0 out of pocket. The, the government, the grant, they gave me $5,000 for a down payment on that house. I didn't have wow. to put anything. Yeah, it was awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, definitely look into that. Anyone who's listening, but from there, what, how did you get over these roadblocks? What's the next step to, um, you know, achieving your dream of, of owning multiple investment properties? Yeah. So that was, that was, uh, took me quite a few years, honestly. Like I, um, I was like, well, I'll just keep house hopping, right? I'll house hack. I'll buy another one, fix it up, rent it out, buy another one, fix it up, rent it out and just hop from house to house and build a portfolio. I'm like, that's all great and everything, but more if you're like a single dude that doesn't have a significant other that wants to settle down. Mm -hmm. So my wife was super supportive. We did it a second time, even though it was a pain in the butt and a third and so forth. And we moved, we've been married about 10 years and we moved about seven, no, six times. So we moved a lot doing this, but it sucks. And now we have two little kids and they're, you know, they're in school. I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And it's the point where I can't keep moving them around. I want them to settle. I want them to build relationships. I want them to, to get comfortable in a school and be able to be raised in one place. I don't, you know, I, I didn't want to do that to them, constantly uprooting them. And so like that became a major issue. And, and I knew that, and I knew that was going to become a problem. And I wanted to settle down and I wanted to have a super nice place. You know, I wanted a walk-in closet and I wanted a garage with epoxy floors. You know, I wanted the house, like the ones I was washing and, you know, it doesn't make sense to keep house hacking my entire life. The whole point is to have nice things and to have a nice, comfortable life. And so I knew it wasn't the best option because it's not sustainable. It's not what I wanted to do. So I needed something else. So I started listening to podcasts like this and trying to find a way to overcome those obstacles where I don't need 25% down. I don't even need my own money. Like, how do I make a ton of money? Cause also I hate washing windows. It's like, I was making okay money It's making like $50,000 a year, but I was working my tail off. You know, I had a bunch of employees. I had three trucks. Like it was just, it was so much work. I was working like 60, 70 hours a week and barely making very much. It's like, I could have made way more somewhere else, but I wanted to be my own boss and I was just burnt out. And I heard about something called wholesaling. I learned that you could find a discounted piece of real estate, someone that's like a tired landlord or someone that inherits a property and the property is just a thorn in their side. And you get that property under the con- under contract to buy it for a major discount because they want speed and convenience over price. And you pass that contract on to another investor and let them close on it. And you get paid what's called an assignment fee. And, you know, people are talking about tens of thousands, if not over a hundred thousand dollars per deal to just pass these opportunities on. And I'm like, you know, it's too good to be true. You know, it would be nice because then I could cherry pick the best ones and I could, um, you know, make a bunch of cash as well and quit washing windows. Like I wanted it to be true, but I was really, really skeptical. Right? I was like, there's no way anyone will sell their properties at that much of a discount. And if they do, you're probably taking advantage of them. You're still in their equity. Like, why would you do that? Like, I, like to me, it was like a moral dilemma too, right? So I heard about that and I was like, eh, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's no way. So like two years later, <laughs> it's funny, that's where I end up, right? In my story. But two years later, I was washing windows for a very wealthy gentleman. His name was Stan Nielsen. And Stan was a real estate developer, big old house. And I was washing his windows and I asked him what he did. And he's like, oh, I'm a real estate developer. I was like, oh, wow. Like I had to know everything. 
So after a few hour conversation, I was like, man, if I used to get two rentals this year, it'd be amazing. He's like, oh, that's convenient. I got these two properties. I don't want to deal with them. I haven't collected rents in four months. The tenants suck. The properties are, you know, have deferred maintenance. I just don't want to deal with them. He's like, do you want them? I'll give them to you at a really, really good price. He's like, sure. <laughs> you know, and he's like, well, a half a million for both of them. I know they're worth probably three quarters of a million. I just don't want to deal with it. I'm like, well, that's, that's awesome, but I can't get a loan for that much. I don't have the down payment for that much. He's like, oh, I'll be the bank. How much can you put down? I was like, oh, like 2000 bucks. <laughs> you know, he's like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So he just like passes these properties over to me at a huge discount. And I put tenants in them with an option to buy it. And uh, the tenants bought the properties from me the next year. And I made over six figures profit on those two deals. And I was like, holy crap, this dude was more educated, had way more money, knew that he was giving them to me at a discount. He liked me and didn't want to deal with the problems and was willing to pass on the opportunity to someone that was young and hungry. And I was like, that was a deal of a lifetime. And I've heard people say, you can do that. If not every month, you can do it every week, if not every day. And I was like, that's what I need to figure out. How can I find discounted opportunities, tired landlords, people in inherited properties, because I'm going to be extremely wealthy if I can figure this stuff out. And that's kind of what really started pushing me to that next level is learning that strategy and really going for it. That's amazing. So how do you do it? So what I do is called driving for dollars, right? So the whole concept is people that want speed and convenience over price. They basically, they want a pawn shop for their house. I even did a piece of YouTube content where I went into a wealthy neighborhood and I was like, hey, I got a mobile pawn shop. You guys got anything in your garage you want to get rid of? And I made like 500 bucks in an hour, right? It was freaking awesome. And I, I just, the, the point was people trade convenience for price all the time. Wealthy people more so than poor people. And so like <clears throat> what we're looking for is we're looking for people to own houses that don't really care too much about the money, but the problems are bigger to them than the money that they could potentially make by fixing it up listing with an agent and squeezing out as much as possible. So if someone has a property that's a thorn in their side, they're not going to plant flowers. They're not going to cut the grass, right? If there's a hole in the roof, they're going to freaking put a blue tarp on top of it. They're not going to fix it, right? They're going to put duct tape on a broken window. They're not going to replace the window. There's going to be deferred maintenance. So what we do is we drive around and find these ugly houses, find out who owns them, reach out and see if they want to sell, right? And obviously there's systems and processes to really speed this up to where I'm doing one of these every single week, but it's called driving for dollars. Drive around, find these ugly houses, potential owners that just want cash for their house and be done. We reach out and see if they want to sell and pass the opportunity on to a buy and hold investor or a flipper. And, you know, my biggest deal of selling a piece of paper, there's no debt, no risk, right? We're basically selling paper. I made 105 grand just selling a piece of paper. And I've done lots of deals, you know, in, in the 50 to $100,000 range, but our average deal is over $30,000. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's really crazy. So what you do is you find a property that um, has, a, you know, an opportunity to be fixed up, someone who doesn't necessarily want to deal with it anymore. And you, you know, you say, oh, I'll buy it. So you get that under contract. And then yep. you find someone who, but you don't have the money to buy that deal, right? So you yep. find someone else who has the money to buy it, who might want to do something with it. And at, at closing, you sign and then they sign. I don't even then, need to sign because I've signed with the seller. I've signed with the buyer. I take the paper to the title company. They both show up, right? The seller shows up with the money, gives it the title company. And then the title company sends me my portion, sends the seller their portion. We're done. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So can you tell us about your 
first one and then how you've been able to do progressively more over time? Yeah. So I first started, um, you know, if you all have heard of this, like the more traditional way is you can buy lists, right? You can buy lists online from companies like PropStream um, with potential sellers, right? Uh, there's other places you can get them, the county courthouses, the city buildings, uh, depending on where you're, where you're at. Certain things are public records, certain things aren't. Uh, a lot of times public records will give you people that have code violations on their house. So long grass, uh, construction without a permit, those kinds of things. Um, you can get that list. You can get the divorce list, the probate list, basically people that are filing to transfer ownership of a deceased person into their name. So basically inherited property list, right? That's a probate list. Um, there's the, uh, eviction list. Anyone file an eviction, right? Tired landlords. So, um, you can, you can get those lists. You can also go and build your own list, like driving for dollars, or you can go in, uh, a yard sale list. Anyone that's doing a yard sale, a lot of times it's in transition. You can go and pull it up on County records. Is it the owner occupied or is it an absentee? If it's absentee tenants are moving out and doing a yard sale. And if they're doing a yard sale, they've probably been there a while, you know, they're probably like, yeah, it's time to get rid of it. So there's lots of ways to do this, right? So that's kind of how I started, a little bit of everything. And my first one was a list that I purchased from a company called listsource.com. And it was what's called a high equity list, high equity absentee owner. So the mailing address was different than the property address on county records. And it had been owned for over five years was the criteria that I paid for. And then I started uh, sending postcards and I got a call. And, you know, he answered, the, you know, I called him back. He left a voicemail and I called him back and he's like, yeah, I got this property. We used to own over a hundred rentals. It's the last one I have with this partner. Our partnership went sour and this is our last one. If you'll pay me this much, I'll sell it to you. And I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was like terrified. And I was like, I don't even know if that's a deal. I don't even know how to evaluate these things. And, but what I understood is if, you know, he said a number, I thought it was a good price, but I wasn't hundred percent sure I was learning a lot. And what I had learned is a real estate purchase agreement has a deadline for the inspection, right? And if you need to back out of the contract because of the inspection, then you can, and you don't lose any money. You're fine. You're safe, right? There's no problems. And just as long as you explain that to the seller, right? That's understood. It's just, if you have a lack of communication, I think it's a done deal when you sign contracts, then, then that's when the, the, the sellers can get frustrated. Right. So I had like three weeks to figure out what this property was really worth. So I put it under contract so I could start asking the investors, you know, what is this house worth? What's the actual repair cost? Cause I didn't know, you know, early twenties, I don't know anything. I still don't know very much, but I knew a lot less then. And, um, so, I got it under contract at 80 and my mentor had taught me to build a buyer's list first. Right. And I had met a bunch of people at the County courthouse auctions. One of the places I went and I blasted out my email and I got a bunch of feedback that I was way too high. No one would pay that much, but one person had what's called a 1031 tax exchange. He was a motivated buyer. He needed to move money for tax purposes, needed a property. And he had like seven days left. And so he's like, I'll pay for it. I'll pay $90,000 for that house. I'll buy it tomorrow. Can we do it? I'm like, yes, let's do it. Right. $10,000. Cause I had it for 80. He said he paid 90. So I wrote up a contract saying I'm assigning this contract with this information to you. I'm selling it to you. My cuts 10 grand. He had never bought a wholesale deal. I had to explain and teach him, even though he had over a hundred rentals, the guy I was mm. selling it to, I was explaining him what wholesaling was. It was amazing. Cause I was so out of my comfort zone. He's like, man, 
you're incredible. If I was younger, I'd be doing exactly what you're doing. Right. And like, he respected me for it. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I signed the papers. I took both the papers of the title company and I got paid 10 grand and I was hooked. I was like, that is the easiest $10,000 I've ever made in my entire life. I used to work hour upon hour washing windows in the sun, in the cold for, for that kind of money. And I was just like, I, I never looked back. It was, it's what I wanted to do. Sweet. That's awesome. So now are, you said that you've done one a week or you do one, about one a week. How can you do that? <laughs> you yeah. know, how like there's got to be a lot of, a lot of phone calls, a lot of uh, systems. So I feel like there's definitely this point you have some expertise for being able to, to do that. Yeah. So ev- eventually I, you know, was pushing really hard. I got some, some money. I had a bunch of leftover savings, you know, and I hired someone to help me um, to, you know, pull more lists and help with like cold calling. And then once we started doing more deals and I got overwhelmed with appointments, I put him in charge of appointments and taught him how to negotiate. And then I hired more people to help with texting and cold calling and postcards. Now what my team looks like, you know, and it was, it evolved over time. But now what it looks like is I have someone that runs all my marketing. He does my driving. He goes and adds the ugly houses, right? We kind of quit marketing to all these other lists because that's what every other investor is doing. But he goes out and does my driving, finds my ugly houses using an app. Doesn't take him very long, maybe two days a week. And then the rest of the week he's texting and he gets phone numbers for all those addresses and puts it over to our cold calling team. And he keeps track of all my numbers and presents them to me. And then I have an acquisition manager that runs all my acquisitions. So all my negotiations, both with the seller and the buyer, he puts it all together. He just works the leads. And then I have three cold callers, two in the Philippines and one in-house. And that's my entire team. I don't have to go on appointments. I don't have to cold call. I don't have to text. I don't have to drive. I don't really have to do anything. And that can happen, right? Like that's the whole point of having a business so it serves you. Um, I love the out of doors. I love bow hunting. I love being on adventures and backpacking. And I do, I get to do more than I ever imagined I would because of this business, you know? Um, so absolutely love it. You know, the, the big thing too, that really got me there is being able to get opportunities and a lot of opportunities for a lot less money or a lot less time. Right. So if you're marketing to the exact same list that everyone's throwing a thousand postcards at, you know, and tons of cold calls and texts, those same lists you can pull or you can buy, everyone's marketing to them all at the exact same time. Right. As soon as they become available. But with driving for dollars, you're building your own list and only the ugly houses. So it was kind of that opportunity for me to jump into to somewhere and just get all those deals that no one else is marketing to. It was amazing. Right. My my business blew up. And that's why I do so many deals now is because I have that specialty list. Um, and I showed that it didn't matter where you lived. You know, I did that 40 day challenge that I was mentioning before just to show that, like, you don't have to be extra smart or anything. A lot of it's that strategy that I use to find the deals. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about the challenge? That's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I met that guy, Stan, back when I was washing windows and, you know, he was the one that kind of gave me that belief that there's educated people that understand they're selling their property discount. They just want convenience over price. They want a pawn shop. And like, I believed it was possible for me to do more because I saw it happen. And I wanted to give that same gift to others. Um, I wanted to help more people, you know, overcome that skepticism and fear that it's possible. Um, and then it's also, you can actually do it with integrity. And so I, I took on a challenge of flying across the country to somewhere I'd never been. And I wanted to take a thousand bucks and turn it into $40,000 in just 40 days. Right. 
And uh, I did. I flew across the country and I did it and I documented it for free. And I actually blew the goal completely out of the water. Uh, I did three traditional wholesale deals where I sold the piece of paper, no debt, no risk. Uh, I sold three uh, contracts. I made $93,000 cash um, off of a $1,000 investment. And then from there, I found two more that they were completely remodeled with tenants in place. And I got them each for like 110,000 total for both of them. And they're worth over 200,000 between the two of them. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep these as rentals. There's no way I can get rid of them. So I actually cherry picked two rentals with over six figures in equity. So it was, you know, it was an incredible experience. It was really cool. And it was documented for people to like watch the action steps, what I do, how I do it, talking to the sellers. What are those conversations sound like? Like it was a really cool challenge. Yeah, it is really cool. I'm, I'm also curious about those two rentals. So um, have you, I guess, thought about rentals and transitioning to rentals? Do you feel like um, the rental business is more scalable than the wholesale business? Or kind of what's your thoughts in terms of what you, what you like and why you would choose a specific rental? And then also kind of, um, you know, did you ever experience a seller financing? It sounds like the first deal you had some seller financing. So I was curious just about like some other strategies you might be using to get into real estate that um, with, with less money built up or less equity when you're you know, a young person who's just trying to figure it out. Yeah. So I read a book that completely changed my perspective because that's where I started. I wanted to buy rentals and I wanted to be successful at buying rentals. And so I was reading this book. It's called Multifamily Millions. It's all about buying giant apartment complexes. And he teaches a principle in there that's so relative to what we're talking about here. He says that real estate investing is marketing and our product is real estate. What he means is uh, if you can't find discounted pieces of real estate, if you can't find really good deals, you won't be in business. That's our business. Our business is not wholesaling. Our business is not buying rentals. Our business is not flipping houses. Our business is not real estate. Our business is finding discounted real estate. That's what we're supposed to do. So Ultimately, if you can get good at finding discounted real estate, you will be successful in real estate investing because you can, you know, people are always like, man, I'm going to wait till the next recession to get into real estate. I'm so smart. Or you'll hear them say, um, man, if I had all these opportunities, if I'd have known what I know now, I'd be so rich. But the problem is you can't time the market. And the other thing is there's no such thing as a bad time to invest in real estate, only bad deals. And the problem is people don't even know how to evaluate deals. They don't even know how to find good deals. And if they found a good deal and it was staring them in the face, they wouldn't even know what that looks like. Right. And so for me, I think the biggest secret is getting good at finding discounted deals. And the reason I love wholesaling to start for new people that have never done a deal is you have to get good at not only finding deals, but evaluating deals and passing those deals to investors. So let me give you an example. If you call up a multimillionaire real estate investor in your market that has over a hundred rentals and you go, Hey, let me pick your brain. Can I buy you lunch? Dude, they don't care about you buying lunch. It's not worth their time. But if you're like, Hey, um, you know, Bob, the multimillionaire, I've got this discounted piece of real estate under contract and my contract says I can sell it to you. I'd like you to evaluate the deal and see if you want it. Do you think he's going to give you the time of day? Yeah, mm -hmm. he's going to show up to the house. He's going to look at it and he's going to say, well, I only can pay this much. Okay, that's fine. I've got it under contract for 100. If you only pay 90, can you explain how you got to that number? 
What's your remodel cost? What's your plan? Why is that your plan? He's going to educate you on how he's evaluating the property because you're bringing him deals. He wants you to get better because you're going to make him more money. Mm -hmm. And then you can get good at going, Hey, I know this is a good deal because I've talked to all the top dogs in my market and they've educated me. And now I know that this is the best rental. I'm going to cherry pick my first one. And not only do I know how, but I've now built the relationships with the lenders. I built the relationships with the, the agents, with the title companies, with every piece that you need to do deals. So when you have a good deal in front of you, you know what it looks like, you know how to do it and you you have that experience. And so um, 100%, that's, you know, I bought some of those rentals in the beginning and I kind of got lucky. Well, I shouldn't say I got lucky. I, <laughs> I made enough mistakes to figure things out the hard way. But as soon as I started doing wholesaling without, you know, doing real estate without risk is when I really, really sped up my, my success. And I've cherry picked the best of the best. And so, yes, I've done seller finance. I've done lease options where I, you know, rent a property with an option to buy it and wait for the market to go up, then exercise my rights on buying at a discount at that point. Right. And I sell lease it. So I'm cash flowing while I'm waiting. Um, I've done, uh, I've done subject to where I take over people's mortgages or a wrap, whatever you want to call it. So like I had this one deal where the guy owed like 75, all of his cash offers were coming in at 60, but his mortgage is 75,000. He can't sell it for cash at 60. He'd have to come up with 15 grand out of pocket. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, well, dude, like, what do you need? He's like, I was like, what do you need for cash? Like, why are you selling? He's like, well, I'm moved out of state. It's vacant. I don't want to deal with tenants. I don't want them to destroy it. It's in really good shape. And I just need a couple thousand dollars to buy a wedding ring. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, what if I make the mortgage payment for you for a year and I give you a couple thousand dollars and then I'll refinance you out within 12 months. Can we do that? He's like, yeah, that works. So my monthly payment was 700. I rented it for 1300 and I paid him two grand. So I got a rental for $2,000, $2,000 down on a, on a $80,000 basically purchase price, right? Like 25% down at 80,000. That's like almost $20,000, right? So two grand versus $20,000 down. And, and the way that happened is I was doing the marketing, right? I was reaching out to people and seeing if they wanted to sell. Then I was asking them questions. What do you need? Why do you need it? What's your time frame? How can I help you? And I've been able to structure offers that I know that makes sense financially to help other people. So, and a lot of this came because I hired a mentor to help me to get started. Right. And he gave me the step-by-step -step action steps and I had a cell phone and he really helped me through this process. But then it was also doing deals taught me how to do deals, how to evaluate deals for sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I you make a good, good point being that because, um, you know, I, I have, I guess a couple of years ago, I was thinking like, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was a recession, you know, everything got so much cheaper and like, it like makes sense in your head because it's like, yeah, like you get a discount on real estate just across the board. It doesn't matter, you know, which piece And then, you know, that now we're here and it's like, wait, you know, it's so much harder to get loans, right? It's so much harder to get uh, investors, you know, it's harder. Yeah, the to... recession is here, by the way. House prices in lots of places in the country have dropped 20 to 25%. Where are all these people that said, I'm going to be an investor when there's a recession? Well, they're gone because like you said, interest rates are at now at seven and a half, eight percent talking about going to nine. Yeah, and their and their savings is also down the same, yep. if not more, because the stock market's down about the same or or more. Yeah. So yeah, you know, and you know now it's like oh, it's not the time that everything stuff I need to save. Or maybe, yeah, so yeah. it's uh it is a slippery slope. Um, it's always better to take action now than to wait. And if you're gonna if you're gonna wait, don't let it be a passive waiting. It's a active waiting.
um, you know, where you're learning a lot. However, yeah, I do yeah think wholesale, learning- wholesale while you're waiting to cherry pick till you know what a good deal is, right? But, but you're actively in the business. Like that's why I love wholesaling. And you well, actually see what a discount is because you're like, wait, I bought a house or I wholesale the house there last year for 30% more. Now this is clearly a discount. You know, this is, I know that for, for a fact. Um, yep. So, and you know, it's like, I don't even, I wouldn't even know what the discounts are because I have no relative position. It's really hard to, you know, develop that intuition except for doing it. Well, um, so I'm, I'm, I guess the last question for the lightning round, I'm curious, could you kind of tell us a little bit about your marketing um, to buyers? Like, what does that look like? What do you say to them? Like, what are the things that you figured out work in terms of, um, you know, developing a relationship and communication? Yeah. So a lot of people are like, oh, that's scary. How do you find the buyers? It's actually a pretty easy, easy thing because most buyers want to be found, right? Because if they're found and you bring them deals, they make money. So it's actually a lot easier than most people think. Uh, places you can find them are REI. Uh, so it stands for Real Estate Investors Association. Just search REI a groups near me and you can find these meetups you can go meet up with people you can ask them a lot of times they have online facebook groups or there's online facebook groups for investors near you you can get added into those facebook groups every facebook group has a search bar you can search key terms like cash buyer wholesale deal um offer and you can find all previous posts with people putting their emails hey i've got a deal um put your email if you want this deal or whatever else. Right. And you can go and pull all that contact information, all the names, you can send them DMS on those Facebooks, Facebook groups, um, and ask them if they want to be on your cash buyers list. You can go to the real estate auctions. Auction.com has, uh, the times and dates and locations of the County courthouse auctions in your area. So you can go and see when those are, you show up early and there's 10, 20 cash buyers, like yelling out cash numbers for houses. That's the guy you need, right? You can go do that. You can go, to um, other wholesalers ask if they want to build build their cash buyers list bigger. Most of them do because they want more offers, bigger offers. And if they do, you can do broker a trade, right? So that's what I did on the Florida uh, challenge that I did where I made 93 grand in 40 days cash. Um, I just traded cash buyers lists with other wholesalers. I had like 11,000 emails in central Florida within like five days. So that, that's a strategy as well, but there's lots of ways to do it, but those are some of my favorite freeways. And how you find the, and then what's the marketing look like to the sellers um, or the yep. potential sellers? Yep. So we use an app called deal machine. Uh, it's a very significant part. And if you guys want to see this live, definitely check out that 40 day challenge, but it's a significant tool that we use. Like people are like, Oh, there's freeways, you know, write down the address and look it up on County records. It's like, it's like, yeah, but you could bang a nail in with your head, but it's not a good idea. You know, use a hammer. So like the reason we use deal machine is, you know, you're driving down a street and imagine you have a Google maps image, right? So you can see the houses and your blue dot of where you're at. And then you see these ugly houses. As soon as you see an ugly house, all you got to do is touch the house uploads all their information to Excel spreadsheet. Boom, done. Mm. Right. And so you're adding 50 to hundred properties every single hour of driving. So you're just cranking through boom, 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 hitting these houses. And, and then you have this nice Excel spreadsheet to immediately send postcards or upload it into a, a multiple line dialer. So you're cranking through phone numbers. You're not hand dialing, or you can send text messages, right? So you can really reach out to a ton of people. So like, that's the thing, right? The more at bats, the more people you get in front of and ask if they want to sell the house, that's what you're going for. You're not trying to convince anybody. And that's the big thing, right? We're trying to find people that already want speed and convenience. There's no like shady sales tactic that we're using. It's, do you want to sell your house? 
No. Okay. Do you have any others you want to sell? Or do you know someone that wants to sell? No, have a good day next. Right. And if they hesitate or if they say yes, we go, okay, well, why the hesitation? You said you might want to sell in a year, you know, if you don't mind me asking, why not now versus a year? Well, we got all these problems. We got probate. We got a crappy sibling living in the house after mom died and did a deathbed will and we're suing him. And they got all these problems. They're like, well, I can step in and help with all these problems and have it done quickly. We'd love to come in and talk to you and see how we can negotiate a price and also an offer. We take all these burdens away from you. Yeah. Right? Wow. And so like, that's how we make money, right? Is we're looking for those people that we can serve and help. And uh, so, yeah, driving for dollars, texting, cold calling, uh, and postcarding the list that we're building with Dale Machine. Uh, uh, on the 40-day challenge, I use the discount code PIN, P-I-N. The reason I did that is you get a free trial, which was huge. Uh, so you don't pay anything monthly for a while. Plus you get uh, $100 of the in-app spending. So like phone numbers and postcards don't come with a monthly fee, but you get a hundred dollars worth, which is quite a few um, if you use that discount code. So that's what I did on the 40 day challenge. So if you're gonna get the Deal Machine app, definitely try it out for free and use that discount code PIN, P-I-N. Sweet, that's awesome. Well, you ready for the lightning round? For sure, for sure. So what superpower would you want if you could have any superpower? Um, man, <laughs> this is supposed to be the easy question, but it's turned out to be the hard <laughs> this, one. This is hard one for me, man. I would, I would like lots of superpowers. I would like to be able to, uh, I would like to be able to know people's true character just by meeting them. You know, a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur and a leader, uh, you know, having wonderful people in your business is so important. Uh, and core values is what I hire, hire and fire off of. And sometimes you don't get to know those true, true colors of people until you've had experience with them. And it's cost me a lot of frustration, brain damage and, uh, and money. So being able to know people's true character from meeting them. Awesome. That's a good one. So what's your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you the most besides the ones we've, we've already mentioned? Yeah. Um, a great, great book. Um, we'll do a kind of more of a self-improvement one that I love. It's not so much business. It's called seven habits of highly effective people, uh, by Stephen Covey. Absolutely love that book. Uh, still use pretty much every single one of those principles almost daily in my life. Amazing book. Awesome. So what motivates you to continue every day? Oh, to not be a loser. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, like, as I've gotten older, and uh, I read a, a, a book, it was called How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It. And I thought I could fix my wife with a book. And I quickly realized where I had all my issues and my own insecurities. And I found that at least for myself and many men, we have this need to feel worthy of love. And I have found that when I serve others, when I help others, when my work is centered around serving other people and serving my family, I feel so worthy of love. And uh, so, yeah, it's, that's my answer. Awesome. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Believe in yourself, right? You don't have all the answers right now. And if you start with some belief and some faith, that you can do something, whether it's get your first deal or lose 10 pounds that, you know, you're super overweight, like start with a really small goal, start with something simple, something that 100% you can accomplish. Like that's either go out and do your first walk, 
right? Or go out and, um, you know, download the deal machine app and add a hundred properties or whatever that might be. Start, start with something small, start with something that you can complete. And the reason I believe that is there's a cycle of success that happens. If you start with the belief that you can do something, you will go do the action step. And if you do that action step, you'll get confidence. Be like, I knew I could do it. And you're going to build that confidence and that faith. And you're going to keep challenging yourself to do harder and harder and harder things. And one day you're going to look back and you'll be like, man, I'm pretty damn amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's because you started with something small and you continue to grow as a person. So you got to realize that, you know, life's not about a certain destination. It's not about having a certain amount of money, a certain amount of rentals. I hear so many young people are like, man, I want $20,000 a month of passive income. And then I made it. And I'm going to drink beer on the beach. It's going to be amazing. And that is not what it's about. What it's about is challenging yourself and growing and loving who you're becoming. And so that would be my advice is just get on that cycle of success. Start with something small. I love it. So since I put you on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So what's the question you have for me? Oh, man. Let me, let me ask you this. Why do you do a podcast? Why are you helping all your, all your people? And, and what's your mission behind this? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, besides having a podcast, because, you know, it's great to learn from people like yourself and, um, you know, be able to ask questions and, you know, provide value to you, but while also getting to learn from you, right? That's one, one uh, motivation for myself, but then it's great. Cause I get to flip that also. Not only do I get to learn from you also, everyone who listens gets to learn from, from you and from me and from this, from the podcast. So it's like, just all in all, just like, I guess it stems from, I'm very motivated to help people. And it makes me really happy when I, you know, um, I'm able to introduce someone to a new concept that they haven't heard before or, you know, help them in any way, whether the podcast or some other way. Um, so, you know, so, so it's like, there was a time where I kind of was thinking about, I have to like work so hard now to like get to this place where I can have enough money. So then I could have time to help people. And I was like, I started realizing how backwards that was that like the best time to help people is now, you know, how could I do this now without, you know, money and success and, and I guess even like an abundance of knowledge yet you know, what I can do is I can leverage other people's knowledge and, you know, provide value to other people. And then I'm able to help people in that way. And also scale it up by putting it on the internet and having a lot of people be able to listen and tune in when it's convenient for them. So um, that's definitely a um, big motivation for me. And it's a, it's a great way to, to network and to, um, you know, get involved in the community and, and provide something to, to the world. So um, yeah. Yeah. I guess the, the, the final piece of that is I'm really excited for one day, maybe in, in 20 years when I'm still doing this podcast and um, I, maybe I have, met, uh, you know, lots of rentals, lots of real estate and some, you know, 15 to 20 year old comes around and is like, wow, he sees like an article, like, wow, Ben Malik's amazing. And there must be something special about him. He must be, you know, it must be a genius. I have superpowers, my something special. And, I want them to come back to this first episode where I'm stuttering over my words saying, um, uh, you know, like, you know, just trying to figure it out. And um, them realizing all I did that was different from them is I pressed a chord and I started and that they could do that too. And I, I, I want to be an inspiration in that way too, um, to the younger generation. Love it. Well, Ben, I'd love to leave uh, the link where people can get that challenge if they if they want to watch it, if we could. It's um, it's free. It's 100% free. It's just direct access. You can get it for free on my YouTube channel as well. 
but there's a, there's a direct link where I can email it to you. It's dfdchallenge.com stands for driving for dollars. So dfdchallenge.com. Awesome. Yeah, definitely encourage to check it out. Um, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to check it out. It sounds like a very interesting story. I learn a lot and um, pretty exciting too. So looking forward to that. Um, well, Zach, you're an amazing guy. Uh, you got amazing um, insights and I learned a lot and I'm sure everyone listening learned a lot. So really appreciate you coming on the show. Love it. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. And Zach and everyone, keep making milestones. Before you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to another awesome episode of Real Estate Milestones. If you've been enjoying the show and you'd like to offer your support, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to increase the show's visibility and help the message get out to a greater audience. I really appreciate your time and support and keep making milestones.